Hello, 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 and welcome back to Barbershop.talk podcast. In this podcast, we talk about concerns, concerns facing you, issues impacting your community. You talked about it in the barbershop on Saturday, and we're going to talk about it today on our podcast. Hello again, and my name is J-Rod, and I'm your host. I am in Out the Way Studio in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm joined with my host, KC. Thank you, J-Rod. It is a pleasure to co-host Barbershop.talk podcast here in Out the Way Studios. I look forward to presenting topics we discuss in the shop, as well as the manner in which we discuss them. This would include the gambit from analytical to anecdotal, from critique to humor and fun, all in an attempt to present to the audience the real flavor of Barbershop Talk. All righty. Now, there's one thing I'd like to make clear. When he's talking about the flavor, he's talking about the interaction that happened in the barbershop on Saturday. We just like to bring it here to our podcast. Now, before we get started, I do want to introduce our third host, or I should say co-host, and that is Arthur. Arthur, Hello. would you be My so kind? And introduce yourself. Uh, just go ahead and just holler it out to us, Arthur. Do your thing. Hello, my name is Arthur. Well, hello, Arthur. Glad that, that you are part of the team. My intelligent far exceed J-Rod and KC's. We didn't ask you for all that, Arthur. We just asked you to introduce yourself. My God. All right. Okay, I'll just behave if we are, because we got a couple of topics we're going to talk about today. And it is kind of, uh, oh, no, before I get started, Casey, I got to say this. You know, our, our sponsor, you know, King Cat, mm-hmm. he said that uh, he would like to request that we pay a little, play a little bit more of his tunes on our podcast because he said he appreciate us playing his uh, party in Miami. Oh, we yeah. do that during our break. We'll be rocking. And he said he had a few more out there. So I'm going to play a short, uh, a short snippet of his song. Okay. But before we do that, we better warn our audience, you know, because these words are uh, are lyrics. Okay. Anyone anyone under the age of 18, leave the podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got a two minute warning. Get out of here. But I do have to say, I do kind of like the beat on this song. So let's just kind of uh, play it out and let's roll with it. Taiwan on the beat, I already know. I've been up to Dusty, make a moonwalk. You ain't got no money, let a blood talk. I'm a rich kid, take my blood walk. See a dark skin, she a all-star. Come on. The pussy good, you at the airport. Dirty thought, bitch, shoot him hell for. Yeah. When you talking money, get it here for. Yeah. When you ain't getting money, what you here for? <laughs> I don't blow a check like I'm verified. Hey. I be acting places you ain't verified. I'm about a million, you just nearly robbed. Think I'm making money up on any block. Post a witch, nigga might just get you pop. Screaming west side like that nigga pop. Come on. Welcome to the party, nigga, where the pop. Leave a nigga smoke like he on the side. Now that is a jam that I can jam to. Okay, now you can go get your kids and bring them back into the room and listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and also, I'd like to remind you that uh, King Cat Music is located on Spotify, also YouTube. Anything that you can download music is basically on that site. 
So please feel free to go in and support our sponsor who happened to be supporting us, Barbershop.talk podcast. And that particular tune was called Moonwalk. Oh, she a dark skin, she I'm doing the moonwalk she she right. Don't hurt your back, KC. Don't hurt your back. Yeah, we might be better off. That's pretty funny. Well, all right. Okay. All right. So, you know, we got some uh pretty intriguing topics to talk about, but this one, this one I put on the list. Because I got a little bit disturbed is when we start talking about or what I heard on CNN is the refusal to raise the minimum wage. I mean, this is getting under my skin. Can't stand it. Have you heard any com- conversations about that, Casey? Uh, yeah, I have. And, and it is disturbing because, uh, you know, they know these wages are, are slave wages, essentially. You know, two people working full time on a minimum wage job. Is still below the poverty line. Yeah, now that is totally ridiculous. How can you have two working adults in the same household, full-time job, and still uh, considered to be poor in regards to the income that they are making? I think that is terrible. I think that is terrible. In fact, uh, hey, Arthur, do me a favor. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the history. I don't know. How many times have the minimum wage been increased, and when did it start? Since 1938, the minimum wage has been increased 23 times and was raised 21 times during Democratic Congresses and only twice during Republican ones. Uh-oh. That means we got a problem. First of all, it's surprising that it was only raised, I think that was 82 years. Out of 82 years, they only increased the minimum wage 23 times. And, and it, Yeah, it's actually worse than that. Because in the last 11 years, no increases. Now, you know the cost of everything has gone up over the last 11 years. And minimum wage, which wasn't enough 11 years ago, is still the same as it was then. You know, you got you got a good point there, Casey, because I know things that went up. Uh, and in fact, I do believe it went up by 20%. So, Arthur, go ahead and validate that. Uh, since the last federal minimum wage hike, let us know about the cost of living and the increase. Since the last federal minimum wage hike to $7.25 an hour, starting July 24, 2009, the cost of living has increased 20%, while the price of essentials such as housing and health care have increased even faster. Whoa, did you hear that? Now, since it looks like the last time we had an increase in minimum wage was in 2009. Uh, And since then, there's been a 20% increase and the cost of living, and it looked like it's been higher in housing and healthcare. Now, can you imagine? Now, 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 Casey, what you think about this? Think about in 29, uh, 2009. Okay. Think about your wages that mm-hmm. you was making, your salary at that time. Right. You haven't had an increase, and you haven't had an increase all the way up to twenty twenty one. No increase whatsoever. <laughs> How would that impact you? Okay, half the things I have now, I would not have. <laughs> and those wonderful vacations you go on, you probably yeah, wouldn't we go. Just gonna, we just going to walk to the park. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of having barbecue, we're going to have barber bologna. We're going to have bologna. That's what we're going to have. We're going to have some bologna on the barbecue grill. Because without a raise since 09, that will put us in a bad, a bad position. And in fact, I got an idea. 
Now, I think when and if they change the minimum wage, I think they should put a percentage of increase every year. Mm-hmm. And then that way, as the cost of the living cost, going as the cost up, of living goes up, it goes up that same. Percentage. It goes that same percentage because I think uh, I think the uh, inflation and cost of living, I think it's been on the average for the last five years, has been three percent. And so I do know in private business is that your salary, uh, the minimum is three percent, keeping up with that cost of living, mm-hmm. and based on your performance, if you're better, theoretically you get a higher percentage. Right. But they're they're taking into consideration the increase of cost of living. And I think they should do the same when it comes to the minimum wage. Absolutely. I really do. In fact, let me let me make sure I have the uh, right amount, make sure I have this, this correct and when it go in effect. So Arthur, as usual, we're gonna have you validate our information. In 2009, the US Congress passed the Fair Labor Standards Act, which established a $7.25 minimum hourly payment for non-tipped employees. Workers who receive tips must receive $2.13 slash hour in cash wages. If their hourly tips equal less than $7.25, their employers must make up the difference. Okay, oh, stop right there. Stop right there. I, oh, I almost swore that he said this was the fair labor standard. <laughs> what is so fair about that? <laughs> that don't seem very fair to me at all. Yeah, there's nothing fair about that. No, I don't think so. Because in fact, in in because uh, right now with minimum wage, if you have two people working in the household, that's around thirty thousand. Mm-hmm. That's around thirty thousand. Now, I, I do have to admit is that when I graduated from college, when I graduated college way back in the day, thirty thousand was a pretty good salary. Yeah, back then. Yeah, back then. Yeah. But today, you still at the poor level. You consider oh, poor, right. no doubt, that and and that takes two people working two full time jobs just to reach that. You know, <laughs> you know right. at the minimum wage. I think you're absolutely right. That's ridiculous. Man. Hey, it, it's basically you know, um, well, I won't say slavery, but uh, uh, what's the word when uh, uh, you're working? Basically, like sharecroppers. Sharecroppers, that's you right. Know, you know, it's like a new form of sharecroppers. Yeah, you might as well call it slavery because my grandfather was a sharecropper, and it is not. Uh, <laughs> it, it is nothing to talk about. It is a, just another form of slavery. So, oh my goodness, do you know what the average cost of a home in Indianapolis? Uh, no, what is it? It is one hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars. Wow. That is the average. Now, of course, I do understand that the average is there's higher and lower. Right. But that is quite a bit. So if somebody's making minimum wage, I don't think they ever can afford a house like that. Uh, what house can you afford with minimum wage? <laughs> <laughs> you can't afford any. Man. And I understand that's not a laughing matter, but my God, in fact, uh, it looks like that the housing have really taken off as the market value. Since about it's been on an upswing ever since about two uh, 2016, mm-hmm. and it had it's it, it really went up uh, between 2020 and 21 2021. So my goodness, if you're only making thirty thousand, it's even if I round it up to thirty two, uh, man, it is hard for you to get a, a house. It, it, it's just a shame. It's just a shame. So so what is the government argument about not raising minimum wage? Because I got a lot of reasons why we should uh, raise the minimum wages. So, uh, hey, Arthur, I need you again. I just need you to just go ahead and tell me what are some of the arguments of why the government should not raise the minimum wage. That is what we're looking for. 
Some policymakers are proposing to raise the minimum wage, they believe that the policy would be harmful. Research shows businesses would respond to the increased costs by reducing employment, particularly for low-skilled workers. Some businesses may pass the higher costs on to consumers. They gotta be kidding. <laughs> is that is that their reason? I mean, really, is that their reason? <laughs> hey, that's right. <laughs> They're clowns. Yeah, that's not valid at all. No, because in fact, here's a couple of comments when I talk about some business may pass the higher costs on to customers. That that's the cost of doing business. Yes. Any business, if they have an increase. Uh, a, a business increase, they're going to pass that cost along to, along to the consumers. Right. And that's all costs, not just the cost of uh, the lower lower wages people getting an increase. Uh, the people who make more money, they get bigger increases and they still pass that increase on, but you don't say, don't give them bigger raises. I think you are absolutely correct. You know, now, if they're so concerned about business they pass higher costs onto the consumer. Do you remember when Trump passed the Tariff Act against China? And mm -hmm. it was talking about aluminum yeah. and all that's going to cost more. It seemed like they was concerned about that then. Right. Because uh, uh, prices were going up for steel, uh, for all kinds of, every product that he uh, passed this tariff on. And what tariff really is, is a tax on the people in the country where the tariff is being levied. So, when he's passing these tariffs, they're really taxes on American citizens. The other country doesn't pay those tariffs. Ooh, that's a very, very good point. We're the ones that are suffering from that. Right. Not the other country. So that country is still selling that product for the same price, right? But then there's a tariff that's added onto it that we pay uh, for, the, uh, for this product that's being imported. But it's oh not my. the other country paying it. Oh my, oh my. Oh my. It seemed like an epic fail. <laughs> Man, you are spot on with that. You know, it always kills me how the government always talks about they don't have money to help their own citizens. But just recently, now I don't think it's anything wrong with helping other countries, but you got to help yourself first. Because India is having that problem. Do you know they, they ship millions and millions of dollars of vaccines over to help them? Mm -hmm. But they want to argue about my little stimulus check. <laughs> what kind of system that made? Fail. <laughs> that's right. That's a major, major fail. All right, so I'm gonna get back on the topic here because I'm gonna talk. Now I do. There no. There are some people that would like to raise. So let's hear the counter argument. Uh, what are the benefits of raising the minimum reserve? I mean, the minimum uh, wage. Raising the minimum wage strengthens workers' purchasing power and provides a boost to the overall economy. Hold it! Hold it! Hold it! Hold it! Arthur, say that again. Raising the minimum wage strengthens workers' purchasing power and provides a boost to the overall economy. Now, isn't that the same definition that they was using for the stimulus check? Yes. <laughs> I swear it was. They started sending the, the stimulus check. It would do the workers' purchasing power and boost the economy. Right. It, and here's the difference. So the stimulus check is going to be a one-time boost. Right. But you raise the minimum wage, you're strengthening workers' purchasing power and stimulating the economy all the time. So, uh, so the argument for raising minimum wage, not only lifting people out of poverty, which no one should have to work a full-time job just to remain in poverty, first of all. You're right. But, oh, the listeners like that. <laughs> the listeners like that. You're on something. In addition, it strengthens the economy. 
The more people make, the more they spend, that grows the economy. Absolutely. All right, how about another uh, how about another point or another reason or a benefit of raising the minimum wage? Raising the minimum wage would also help close the racial wealth gap, which is at historic levels. The current federal minimum is lower in real value than in 1956. Oh my mm. god. <laughs> oh lower the value than in 1956. Yes. Seems like we're going backwards. We are. And and so think about what just uh, what he just said there. All right. It would help close the gap uh, with uh, the it would help close the racial gap. Mm -hmm. The people that are opposed to raising this cheater, <laughs> <laughs> the people that are opposed to raising the federal minimum wage are the Republicans. All right, they know that most inner city young black people are trapped with these minimum wage jobs, and they don't want them to have an opportunity to come up. They want them to always be disadvantaged. Man, you're you're spot on. And and, and it's proof here that how many times it went up. I said out of out of 23 times, 21 uh, was under Demo uh, Democratic Congress. So I think you are spot on. Now I do know we could talk about this over and over and over again. However, I'm going to be mindful of time today. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and do a quick break to recognize our sponsors. And with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and play King's Cap tune. King Cap, I want you to know our sponsor. We played two of your cuts today. One was that moonwalk, and the other is Party in Miami. And, and we're not only playing them, we're dancing to them. <laughs> That's right. <Hey. laughs> it's a party out in Miami. Tell one on the beat, I already know. It's a party out in Miami. Uh -uh. CD from the beginning to the end, and it has upbeat. He changes his tune a little bit, his flavor, get to a new style, and I just think that it is fantastic for all ages, even from the young boys up to old school. These are tunes that you play in your car, and I would really like for you to enjoy that. But with that being said, uh, out the way, they not only allow us to use this studio, they also make custom-made t-shirts and other apparels, and if you have any interest in that, go ahead and email KingCap and Capuswood AK. King, K-I-N-G, Cap, K-A-P, 317 at gmail.com. You can email that to make an order or get some additional information of what's available to you. Now, I also have to recognize our second sponsor, and that's 421 Barbershop, where good things happen to your hair, located in Indianapolis on Michigan Road. So if you want good things to happen to your hair, please come in and see any of the master barbers. All right. You know, there's one thing I got to say about 421. That is actually a family barbershop. Yes, very family friendly. Yes, family friendly. I mean, they cater from 
from the uh, from young boys to toddlers to grandfathers, fathers, you name it. We have the environment. Right. And you want all the perspectives on what's going on in the world and the city. You come on into 421. You're going to get all those perspectives. Oh, my God. You talk about perspective. That's that's where you learn a lot. That. Oh, God. Oh. You're going to have all the conversation you want, and I guarantee you will not fall asleep. No. No. No snoring whatsoever. Uh, hey, Casey, I'm going to switch gears. I do think I want to talk about this. I want to save a little time on the pot to talk a little bit about the Indianapolis Post draft mm -hmm. that just happened. Uh, first of all, I'm just going to ask you your general opinion about what grade would you give the Indianapolis Post for this draft? Uh, I would give the, this coach draft uh, an A minus to a B plus. Wow, that's a high score. Yeah, it is. Well, it is. So, I mean, they your, almost hit a grand slam. Well, support your ranking there. You got to support that. Okay, well, let's start with their first two picks. Their first and second round picks were uh, some defensive ends. And both of these guys are outstanding studs. It's going to provide the pass rush that this team has been lacking for the last few years. And these guys are not just specialists. They, they are big studs that do have uh, great pass rushing skills, but they're also uh, good uh, with run defense. And so this is going to return the Colts front line to one of, the, uh, one of the better front lines in football, one of the elite foot, uh, front lines in football. Now, now before you go on, now, now some people, there was some criticism that, you know, uh, Payne uh, only had 11 and a half sacks in between – 2017 to 2020. Uh, and that's not a lot of sacks. Now, I do understand he had 23 tackles, uh, you know, solo tackles, or, or sorry, I should say tackles for a loss because he had a 97 total tackles. I'm going to go ahead and repeat that because I don't want our listeners to be confused. He only had uh, 11.5 uh, sacks since 2017 to 2020. He had 23 tackles for a loss, and then also he had a total of 97 tackles. So I, I love the 97 tackles, but only 11.5, 11 and a half sack out of uh, three years, that just don't seem very impressive. Well, okay, but if you look at the, the tape, you see that he was the guy that was double teamed regularly by the offensive line. They targeted him because of the, the threat that he posed. Uh, uh, much the same way that, um, you know, we had Dwight Freeney, Mm -hmm. And he was dominating. Mm -hmm. So they started double teaming him. And when they started double teaming him, then all of a sudden, Mathis started having all these sacks. Yeah, that's very true. And then when they say, okay, now he developed into a stud, now they had to pick and choose their poison. And you couldn't, you can't double team both of them all the time. So, you know, so you had a dual threat. And yeah. you're going to have a similar situation. This guy is going to be dynamic. I guarantee it. You know, Sam, I think you got a point there because he is faster than Freeney. Uh, I think Freeney was at a 4'7. Uh, and that's the 40 yard dash. This guy is at a 4.57. Yeah. So that's significantly faster. Yes. So, you know, that's a very good point. He's a big boy. He's 6'3, mm -hmm. 261. Of all muscle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess we can't say that all muscle, all muscle. Now, the second one, uh, from my understanding, he's a beast, but he was injured. Right. This guy would have been probably a top 15 pick had he not suffered uh, an Achilles. Uh, heel injury and so he's recovering from this injury and because of the amount of time it takes to recover from this injury 
it's doubtful that he'll play this first year. Yeah, and that's the only reason why he slid in the draft. Yeah, I think but, you're right. Yeah, I think you're right. But from a talent perspective, this is a top 15 pick. So essentially, the Colts got two top uh, first rounders in this uh, draft because of that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Now, I think it's spot on. Uh, even on draft night, they talked about his injury. He probably won't be able to return on the field. I'm not saying playing. I'm saying return to the field in October or November. Mm-hmm. So they anticipated that he is sitting out this year. Yeah. But they said he got tremendous uh, uh, upswing to him. And he's another big one. He's 6'5", 285. That's a big Man. boy. Oh, he is. That's and, a big and boy. great athleticism and speed. Yeah, so he was selected, I think, uh, 54. I think that is right. Yes. Yeah, so that's not too bad. Now, let me get your opinion on another one. Now, maybe I should have uh, uh, talked to Arthur on this one, but it's that wide receiver. Uh, out of Charleston, West Virginia? Okay. Now, I am going to talk about it, but before I do, I'm just going to mention a couple other players. Okay, he drafted a tight end. This tight end is very similar to Dallas Clark. Uh, you NFL fans and any of Colts fans certainly remember him. He's a receiving tight end, one that they definitely need, and that's the way the game is going. Now, this wide receiver, he is a bit of a project. But he is a dynamic wide receiver. He's played at Division II school, but he is 6'5", 226. So he has tremendous size, tremendous athleticism. Uh, He's going to need a little development. So, you know, don't expect a big splash his first year. But I do expect big things from him his second, third year down the pipe. Yeah, I think I, I agree with you because he's he's also a burner too. He ran a four point five in the forty yard dash, which is a pretty good yeah, time at six five. At six five, oh, man, he's going to win so many jump balls in the end zone. No question, especially in the red zone. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Anytime in the red zone, you like those big receivers, and uh, and maybe this is an organization where he can produce because there's a lot of times you have good players to come out in the later rounds, mm-hmm. uh, and this may be one because apparently they see something. Now that now one of the uh, weaknesses they said that the the competition or apparently the uh, the conference that he played in or the division he played in, they said he was men among boys. I think that's how they describe it. But talent is talent. Right. You know, I don't care. Talent is talent. Right. Well, he didn't play to their level. He dominated them. You know, he was uh, first team All American at Division Two. So you know, he he didn't play down to their level. He dominated those guys. Yeah, that, that's a good point too. You know, if 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 you're head and shoulder over everybody else and and play at that level. Now, I don't know much about the, the safety that they uh, drafted out of Florida. Uh, he's only 5'11 and 202, so he's not the biggest safety out there. Well, but you know what, though? He's a lot bigger than a safety we used to have that was the, the hardest hitter on the team. Sanders? Yes. Man, but Sanders was all muscle. Well, that dude, that dude was a, a mini hawk, if you ask me. <laughs> he was a mini hawk, and I have to say, he was dynamite. And he was. Um, this guy is similar. Now I don't know if he's going to hit as as viciously as Sanders would, especially might in today's be. game. <laughs> well, maybe, <laughs> maybe, but uh, but similar in, in his style and approach. Yeah, yeah. Like, but anyway, I I would like to say this that you know Florida has an excellent reputation of developing football players, and just by the school alone, I think we may have something there. Well, I do have to say I'm looking at the time, and our time is going to cut short. But what I'm going to do, I got to play it one more time. Go ahead, King Cat. <laughs> Thank you.
about to turn I wanna be already known. I just like that BKC. Hey. Oh, we gotta move to this. Yeah, we gotta turn down the lights and put the show on my bar. Be wise and be loved. And we say, Go Mob.